Hello, and welcome to the most honest and secure mental health podcast, brought to you in collaboration with the Tally app. Launching in October, Tally's purpose-built platform will facilitate daily anonymous group and peer-to-peer conversations. In the meantime, the Tally Talk podcast will serve as a taster for what's to come. For the latest news and updates on the Tally app launch, follow atally.app on Instagram, or you can visit www.tallyapp.com. Please also be aware that this podcast at times will cover sensitive and triggering topics due to the nature of conversation. Thank you and enjoy the show. Uh, we all went to a festival in the summer and I took way too many pills, ecstasy pills. You feel like you want to kill yourself, like you, you want to die, like you're so depressed. I was one of those uh, people that would just go really hard. I would always do more cocaine than my friends. I would always drink until I blacked out. We like to do a one-word check-in in Tally Talks, and it's just one word that sums up how you're feeling in this moment right now. And yeah, just let us know literally in one word or a sentence um, how you feel in, in this moment right now. Positive. Positive. Grateful. Grateful. Nice. And cool. Do you you just want to introduce yourselves? I know you previously just did it a bit, but do you want to introduce yourselves with your nicknames and just tell us your journey and how you relate to the title addiction? You want to go first, Butterfly? Sure. (laughs) I need to get used to that name. So, hi, I'm Butterfly. And so my story with addiction started when I had anxiety from the age of like 11 and just became very uncomfortable within myself and literally just wanted to numb everything that I was feeling. So didn't really realize it was addiction until very recently, but I went through many years of just relying on alcohol, you know, on nights out with the girls. Um, I needed that drink just to settle my mind. Um, And I also got involved with like various different drugs and like the big party scene. And it was just my way of forgetting about everything in that moment. Um, And then I turned to more natural forms of um you know releasing my emotion and yoga meditation and that's brought me on a whole new path so uh, i'm really grateful to be speaking about coming through that journey now and being able to help others because i know how hard it is and um yeah that's that's my journey my story in a nutshell great thanks butterfly yeah that was i'm I'm definitely excited to dig in more and learn more um insider do you want to let us know about yourself sure so uh i started using substances uh from the age of 14 and it started with you know dabbling in pot drinking alcohol doing magic mushrooms and um when I got into my early 20s, uh, I started dabbling in harder drugs, so ecstasy, cocaine. And at the time that I was using these substances, I didn't really see anything wrong with it. I just thought I was partying just like my friends. Um, but my use was a little bit different from other people. Like I was one of those 
people that um, would just go really hard. You know, I would always do more cocaine than my friends. I would always drink until I blacked out. And for a while, I thought it was just a phase that I would get over, but it wasn't. It just sort of escalated and got worse and worse and worse until I became uh, basically a raging cocaine addict. And um, no matter how much I tried to stop using on my own, I just could not do it. You know, like I would, I would tell myself that next weekend would be different, but it never was. And this just sort of snowballed into years and years of cocaine use. And then at the age of 32, um, I just finally, I guess, hit my last rock bottom and I decided to go get help. And I went into the 12 step program. Uh, I got a sponsor who took me through the 12 steps. And as a result, uh, my life changed. I had sort of, I guess, my spiritual awakening and um, my desire to use drugs and alcohol went away and I became a lot happier, more balanced and uh, much more focused now on sort of living a spiritual life, a balanced life and, and a life full of purpose. And so that's where I'm at today. I'm just like butterfly. I'm into yoga, I'm into meditation and uh, I'm into helping other addicts who have gone through the same thing that I have and, and now guiding them through the 12 step program as well. Definitely. That's, yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, it's great that you're really able to like pay your experience forward by helping people now. And I should say my, so I go by the name of oxygen on here. I know I didn't say that earlier. So just to get that through, um, I guess I come from just the other perspective of I've never felt like I was addicted to anything, but I've always felt like it would probably be the toughest battle if I wasn't disciplined enough to come out of the other side. And I guess for starters, how, at, at what point did you both feel like, okay, I'm actually addicted at this point? Was, was there like a defining moment or was, was there like a wake up moment? Mm, do you want to go first in this one, Master? Well, this one over. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Butterfly. And um, when I really realized something was was wrong was when uh, I got into cocaine really heavily and it just became like a twice a week uh, thing for me. And whereas with alcohol, I sort of thought drinking on the weekend was normal. But once I started using cocaine every weekend um, and, you know, I was telling myself that, okay, like I'll skip this weekend, but then the weekend would come and I would still use that's when I started to get concerned. And when, when like the weeks turned into months, turned into years and, you know, my, my then girlfriend who I was in love with was telling me like, I need to stop. And she was really concerned for me, but even though I loved her, I couldn't put the drugs down. I couldn't stop using. And we eventually uh, ended up breaking up and, you know, basically I chose the drugs over the girl I loved and, yeah, for me, that's when it became clear that I, I had a problem. Cool. Um, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, did did you lose your girlfriend or did she was she able to stay with you through it or was it too late? No, I, I lost her. We were together for three years and throughout that time I was I was using drugs and we were using together in the beginning, but then at some point uh like a, like a normal person, she said, okay, this is getting out of hand. I'm going to stop. And 
we're going to stop, but she stopped and I didn't, you know? So, yeah. Interesting. Um, Butterfly, I should, I should say, um, my, so my voice isn't meant to be the most like prevalent voice on here. It's, it's just a three-way thing and I'm just, yeah, I'm just learning myself. So yeah, feel free to jump in anytime, both of you and ask each other questions as well. Just like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'm loving it so far. Um, I was just thinking, I'm happy that I had those two minutes to think. So I was like, what was the defining moment? There's always, there's always been a part of me that knew that I just didn't want to be living this way because who wants to be living in, in a life that's so unhappy and dependent on, you know, drugs and alcohol? No one, no one wants that. So I guess the moment for me was probably three years ago. I was working in a bar and um, obviously I'm surrounded by alcohol all the time or the people I'm surrounded by, are, you know, drinking all the time. It's normal to be getting that messed up all the time. And it just got to the point where I was getting nothing positive from alcohol apart from the taste. You know, I was arguing with my boyfriend at the time. I was eating all the kind of food that I didn't want to be eating. <laughs> I was smoking cigarettes so much when I was trying to quit. You know, alcohol was just like lowering all my inhibitions to me doing all the things that I didn't want to be doing. So it was the turning point for me when I was like, if I'm not getting anything from this, then what's the point? So I went cold turkey, quit drinking alcohol, haven't drank since. It's been like three or four years now. And um, to be honest, it was really difficult at first. Um, it was very strange to still be in that environment and to have stopped drinking because people think you're a massive weirdo. <laughs> like This is the person that you were before. But um, the mental strength that you get from saying no in those situations and choosing your health is paramount to any enjoyment you could possibly ever get from having a drink with your friends, in my experience. So that was the turning point for me. Wow, yeah, that's that's really powerful. Do you, do you, do both of you think some people have, I guess, just addictive personalities and for people who have addictive personalities would it be do you think there's a middle ground where you can have a decent level of let's say for example um alcohol if that's what you're addicted to or is it if you have an addictive personality then you should just completely stay away from that weakness I think it totally depends on the person I know for me it's easier to cut everything out um I have really strong boundaries that way. Otherwise, if I'm like having just like, you know, one drink or a bit of this, then it's probably easier for me to be like, oh, well, I'll just have one more. Um, but I'm curious to hear about you, Insider. Well, okay, so I'm going to speak from the perspective of the program uh, that I did. Uh, and in there it's a, it's, it's a program of abstinence and they say, you know, once you become a pickle, you're never going to be a cucumber again. So they definitely say that, well, okay. So according to the program, uh, the, the root issue of addiction and alcoholism is, what they call a spiritual malady. So like an emptiness that the person is trying to fill with substances. 
And so the, the 12 step program is meant to address that, that root of the, of the disease. They call it a disease, right? So by working the steps, you are able to connect to something spiritual and in the program, we call it a, a higher power. So you choose your own concept of God or spirit or universe, and you sort of, um, surrender to that spirit and ask, um, ask God to help you overcome your issue. And at the same time, you're also working other steps, which address your past and help you fix, um, sort of things that you've done wrong, right? Because when I was using, I was a horrible person and I, I, I did a lot of, uh, negative things towards others. So you have to go and address that part of your life. So it's like a full on like renewal type of program, right? So long story short, it's advised not to, not to touch any substances once you you've recovered. Yeah. Um, and inside of just, obviously under the canopy of anonymity. Um, one, one of the things I was going to ask actually for both of you is whether you, what, whether you could share, I guess your darkest moments. Um, so just kind of you saying how you felt you acted towards others. Do you mind sharing more on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was definitely breaking, uh, uh, my family's heart, you know, they saw what I was going through. It's very hard to hide alcoholism and cocaine addiction. You know, I'm like, I was, I was living at my mom's place at the time. I was bringing all sorts of weird people to our house. She saw me, you know, after a long night of using and drinking completely just looking like a corpse, um, you know, taking her money, uh, betraying my girlfriend's trust, uh, just ending up in all sorts of bad situations, uh, where I wasn't acting ethically or morally and, um, just basically wreaking havoc, you know, like even when it came to my, my work, I was missing a lot of work days because I was not in any shape to, to go in and, and, you know, work with people. I'm, I'm a personal trainer. So you know, I would just call in sick all the time. So like in those regards, you know, that, that's what was happening. And, and what about you? Thanks for sharing, by the way, Ansada. Um, what about you, Butterfly? Yeah, I just want to say I'm really grateful for these questions because it's actually amazing to reflect back and see just how far you've come. Um, so it's amazing to be in 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 the presence of both of you as well and like it, it's just really good to have people speaking about um topics like this because a lot of the time it's it, it's something distant distant until it happens to someone next to you um and a lot of people you don't feel comfortable even admitting to themselves that they're not in control anymore yeah totally. for sure for sure yeah. So, I mean, there's been a couple of times in my life where I've just taken it way too far and it's definitely been from the root of anxiety, you know, just trying to numb everything. But when I was 14, I got paralytic from alcohol and ended up um, in hospital. And I just remember waking up in hospital and my dad was there. I was in a different city. I'm from, I, yeah, I'm, I'm from Leeds. I was in Manchester at a house party and woke up in hospital with my dad there, not the best uh, time of my life at all. And, you know, 
obviously like my parents were so disappointed in me and um yeah so that was that was one thing and then when I was about 22 at university uh, we all went to a festival in the summer and I took way too many pills ecstasy pills and I literally had a mental breakdown like I literally had no sleep like I need my sleep like for real otherwise I just go crazy like even now um and and I had to go home and I remember feeling like I needed to be admitted to like a psychiatric hospital like I just was in such a bad place mentally like was such a former shell of who I am and I just didn't actually know if I was going to get out of it thank god I did I didn't go to hospital or anything I just you know looked after myself stayed with my family but there's also other times that I come into mind now like um you know after nights on cocaine at like house parties and then the next day you just you feel like you just I hate saying this out loud but you feel like you want to kill yourself like you you want to die like you're so depressed um and it's just like the most horrible feeling so I don't wish that upon anyone and I hope you know if anyone is feeling this then 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 trust me there is a way out like me an insider a proof of that so I just want to send you like my love and care if you are going through this moment and um yeah so that's me yeah can I just say as well like it's really interesting for you to hear that you know that you're doing not the right thing for yourself like we all know in those moments where we're like oh yeah go on then like we we know that it's not like the right thing for our body and I think it's just so um actually great to accept that fact like even though you might want to stop so badly and you you might want to say no so badly like it really it it really has to take a change in mentality to oh yeah I think I think to to switch you know so yeah it's possible though it's definitely possible and the frustrate, frustrating thing about addiction uh, usually is that nobody knows when that moment's going to come, right? It's very different for for everybody. Um, and usually it's been my experience from just being around the rooms of other addicts um, and then working with other addicts. It usually takes a certain degree of suffering that mm. finally that finally pushes you into the opposite direction. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So suffering is a, it's a, it's a sort of a, it's a gift disguised as a curse. You know, I like now I look at my addiction as a blessing in disguise because if it wasn't for it, I would have never truly had the awakening that I had as the result of going through that and then being sort of broken enough to go and ask for help. And as a result, finding a program that truly connected me to what I was looking for my whole life. Like when I went to high, when I was in high school, I remember I always felt like 
I always felt different. I always felt like something was always missing from my life. And I wanted to know what that was. And that feeling never left me all the way until my, my rock bottom, that sense of emptiness, that, that sort of veil being between me and everybody else in the world and life. I always just thought something was missing. But when I got into the program and I started to work the steps and I connected to uh, the spiritual dimension of, of living, and I started to practice yoga and meditate and read, you know, yogic philosophy that filled the void that, that I was filling with all of these other things like sex, like drugs, like accomplishments, which never actually did the trick. Yeah, that's powerful. That's so powerful. No, that is, that's really powerful. And, and just kind of what you said about your experience there inside, I was just about to say, um, I'd assume you both feel kind of much more purposeful now and powerful going through your journeys. And you're probably, you probably just feel much stronger in terms of saying no and keeping true to what you want. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's actually my job now and I know we're anonymous, but I actually am very happy if people like want to follow me on Instagram or whatever, because this is, this is my life's work now. Like I love to help people get from where they are now to the person that they can become because what, what greater gift is there than that, you know? Um, it's, yeah, it's a hundred percent purposeful. I'm very grateful for like insider was saying, you know, for suffering actually. And now being able to see the light because you can only really enjoy the light when you've been in the dark. Right. So yeah, for sure. For sure. On, on that note, what's the very first step to kind of going in the right direction? Like what's the, what's the easiest first step to, to take? And I know sometimes I, I remember seeing an advert. I don't, I don't think it was in relation to addiction, but it was something about just say no. And it's, <laughs> it makes it sound so easy to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, in your in your kind of experience, what's the first step that's easiest to do to kind of start going in the right direction? I think probably accepting where you are, and I, what I want to say is like loving yourself, and that can that can be so many different things. It can mm-hmm. be, you know, just like looking in the mirror and telling yourself you're beautiful, or you know, just putting your hand on a heart and taking like a big deep breath and feeling your heartbeat or doing like a self-love meditation um yeah I think love is like the cure for everything what do you think inside it yeah I think that's uh, that's definitely uh that's definitely a very like healthy way to go about it you know I, for me the first step was really um, it, it, to start my, my healing, because I, I worked the 12 steps. So the first step in the 12 step program is to admit that I'm an addict, like to admit that I'm powerless over the substances and then, and that my life has become unmanageable. So it's sort of just a recognition of where I'm truly at, because for many, many years, I'm denying constantly that, that, like I'm basically convincing myself that the reason I'm using is this, the reason I'm using is that, or that eventually I'll be able to overcome it. But time and time again, year after year, I'm, 
it's being shown to me that I can't, like, I can't do this on my own personally. I'm not saying everybody will be in that position. Um, some people can do it on their own, like butterfly sounds like you did, but a lot of addicts, um, a lot of addicts can't. And, and so, you know, once they admit that they're powerless and that they need help, that's when that sort of door opens for them to be able to try something different that they hadn't tried before. Sorry, gone butterfly. I just want to add, um, what got me through this wasn't just from being alone. I, I think we honestly, we, it's, it's great to accept that we do need help from other people. And there are people that, are here to help us whether it's you know your family your friends the hypnotherapist the therapist like anyone or or, you know that kind of thing um so yeah definitely what got me through it was was not by being alone because that was the one thing that actually made things worse um but yeah I don't know if that applies to everyone that's just my experience yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like in the 12 step rooms, I've heard so many different stories uh, of people and the things that they tried. And like you said earlier, Butterfly, it's it depends on the person and what they connect to. Like I've, I've heard people have used psychedelics, for example, to get over their addiction in combination with therapy. But I had a guy who I knew in the 12 step uh, fellowship who when he, he was telling his story, he said, I went and did Ibogaine in Vancouver and Ibogaine apparently has like a really high success rate for helping people, you know, get over smoking, heroin, et cetera. And he went and paid like $5,000 to, to do the whole thing. And he still went and relapsed and then he did it a second time and he still went and relapsed. So it's like, it's so different, you know? And I think that the key is just the desire to change. And if we have that desire that we're going, life will sort of direct us, to what it is that is right for us. Like we'll find it if we're seeking it, you know? Mm-hmm. What is Ibogaine? Uh, it's some sort of psychedelic, like very powerful psychedelic. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wrote down like a list of things that I tried um, to help me and I've just got it up now. I, I've tried so many different things. I've tried reading books, ayahuasca ceremonies, hypnotherapy, talking about my feelings, journaling, yoga, meditation, LSD therapy, crying, human design, life coaching and self-coaching. So like, you know, if you've tried one thing and it's not working for you, there could be something else that's like more suited to you or, you know, just, just never stop trying. If it's like, if you're listening to this, you obviously don't want to be in the space that you're in. And that's, you know, I commend you for that. Um, but please just don't ever give up. Like there's always going to be another method that works for you or another person that can help you. So there's so many different modalities out there. And, um, now more than ever, I feel like there's just, yeah, there's so much help available, which is great. Um, but butterfly out of, out of all the kind of solutions you, you tried out, which, which you just read out, which, which one of those would you say was kind of, the most effective for you because I know of course different things work for different people um so which one was would you say worked most for you yeah it's the one that was actually the most simple <laughs> it was talking about my feelings um I was really really lucky to have such a supportive boyfriend and he really encouraged me to like speak about my feelings and I think the reason why I was 
the way that I was is because I kept everything in and um yeah it's I feel like it's actually dangerous to keep everything in like it's so healthy to express ourselves and you know to make sure that you're with someone who um you can talk about open and freely with and you know they're not going to judge you it's in a safe setting etc etc and um have a safe space where you can cry and you know just really bring out that raw emotion that really is really wants to come out you know so yeah talking about your feelings is probably the number one thing in my eyes that can truly help you in every situation yeah i obviously being part of the tally team i completely agree with kind of just sharing your experiences and actually just speaking to people um and letting it out and like we we did a tally talk for um in relation to november last year and men uh a whole lot of the men were just kind of talking about the last time they cried and one guy was talking about how he's never felt worse after crying because crying was such a release that every time he cried he just always felt better um so it's always good to kind of yeah share what's inside of you and just kind of release it yeah totally yeah it's very important to to address those things um like a lot of people in who who come from an addiction background have often come from uh like childhood trauma if you know the one of the more popular people in the field is uh gabor mate and he talks a lot about uh you know childhood trauma and not receiving enough love and you know i've heard people's stories who talk about some really like horrific things happening to them like you know getting molested as kids or you know witnessing like uh, addiction in the home and being abandoned, things like that. And, um, you know, one of the ways that, uh, we address it in, in our program is by, by doing an inventory where you write down a list, uh, of resentments that you have towards people in your life. So like anybody who's harmed you in the past and you, you look at the situation and how it made you feel. And then, um, you also have to look at like what your part in it is as well. And that's really where the healing takes place because, you know, people who have come from uh, a background of trauma, let's say their parent was uh, maybe abusive towards them. The way that we try to do it is we try to look at the whole situation from a different perspective rather than sort of identifying as a victim. We try to look at why the other person was doing that. And and generally the, uh, the conclusion is that the other person was also sick you know, like they also had their own issues and they were unconsciously venting their own trauma on you. And so that allows people to sort of have compassion towards the person who, let's say, victimized them and to understand that it wasn't necessarily because there was something wrong with them personally, but it was something about the other person, their pain and their trauma that uh, was causing the abuse. And then so they get a little bit they they become free of feeling like like the victim and they get um they become empowered to to actually forgive the person and that heals that's very healing 
I'd just like to interrupt the show and give our two amazing partner podcasts a quick shout out. Firstly, My Mental Mates is the podcast opening up the conversation on mental health by having guests share their experiences and discussing the good, the bad and the ugly of mental health. At the end of each episode, each guest gets to choose songs to add to the My Mental Mates Hit the Reset Button music playlist available on Spotify and Apple Music. Podcast host Anthony started the podcast in line with running the London Marathon this year for Charity Mind. Good boy. So head to your podcast provider and check it out now. Secondly, now in its second season, the Mentor Health Podcast features discussions surrounding things such as men's mental health and what it's like to live with a mental disorder. The conversations are candid and authentic, tackling taboo topics which aren't talked about in the public sphere. Men's Talk's main aim is to encourage men to discuss mental health with their friends, breaking down the stigma that it's weak or not masculine to be vulnerable and open around your mates. To listen to the latest episode, search Mentor Health Podcast into all platforms or you can follow mentor health's host at underscore loop brand on instagram and use the link in his bio to access the latest episodes if you want a new mental health podcast to add to your collection welcome to mentor health thank you and back to the show i don't think my parents knew to be honest i maybe it will help if i share what started everything because I know exactly what it is it was when I was 11 years old my parents um told me they were going to divorce and they they actually stayed together they're still together now like 13 years later but anyway I, I was 11 you know at that time I just thought I'd be on the street to be honest my mum was like we don't have any money to like to go somewhere else and so in that moment I just took the whole world on my shoulders and I didn't tell anyone about it and I was like okay well I'm I'm gonna like sort this out and um I felt like I couldn't speak to my parents about what I was going through because they were going through a bad time so I think that was the whole thing if I felt like I could speak about my emotions then that would have been really helpful. But I, A, didn't know that that's what I was supposed to do that would help. And B, just didn't have the environment where I could do that. So, hey, maybe it was meant to happen that all this transpired and now I can help other people through it. I don't know. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if they could have done anything in that moment, to be honest. So... Yeah, definitely. And Butterfly, I just wanted to say thanks for sharing your story about kind of your parents and uh, you learning of their potential divorce when you were 11, because that, that's really young. And whenever I hear people have those conversations with children, I just always, because at that age, I don't even think I would have been able to fathom what was going on. Yeah, yeah, it's, it affects you for your whole life, to be honest, unless you really do like the deep subconscious work, which I'm doing now, but it's still, it's it's a journey, it's a process for sure, it's not a, a one day, oh yeah, I'm better now, it's really um, a deep dive into just, yeah, going back to who you truly are without all that. Yeah. And uh, a question for both of you, do you think, uh, I guess stemming off of that, is addiction usually the consequence of something else? Meaning that the addiction isn't necessarily the initial problem, but it's more of a of the consequence of the initial problem, i.e. in this case being you learning of your parents' divorce, Butterfly. Um, 
that's just an open question for the both of you or whoever wants to pick up. Yeah, I would say totally. Um, everything for me stemmed from my anxiety. All the things that I tried to, to you know, like numb myself with um, was the result of that. And so, yeah, a hundred million percent is my answer. What about you, Insider? Uh, so uh, yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's always a symptom of of a deeper uh, issue or many other issues. Um, you know, like after working the program and then and studying yogic philosophy and and learning more about the mind and the body and emotions, it takes a lot of work, uh, of which I'm still doing, but. You know, it takes a lot of work to bring yourself into a harmonious state where the body, mind, emotions, spirit are all sort of working to support each other. And and usually that requires uh, doing those deep dives and getting rid of those or not getting rid, but really processing uh, the trauma in a healthy way to understand it from from a healthier perspective, because there are people who go through traumatic experiences, but they never become addicts. Right. And then there's people who become addicts who go through traumatic experiences. And so what's the difference there? The difference that is, is in the way the people, the two different people process that experience. Right. And so I like to say that once you get yourself into a relatively balanced state, a lot of these problems such as addiction or anxiety they they no longer can take root inside of you because when i was an addict i was super anxious like i was too anxious to go into a mall because i was just it, my nerves would be on edge today i have zero anxiety pretty much all the time right and that's because of all the meditation of all the the psychological uh, house cleaning like all of those things to bring the mind and emotions into balance, just like, like a body, for example, if a body is very healthy, it's very hard for disease to, to take hold inside of that body. Right. And the same thing I think applies for, for the mind. Wow. I just want to say, I'm so proud of you. Like I know I've only just met you on this uh, call, but to really be a space where, you know, you went into the mall and you were like so anxious to now you don't really feel that at all. Like you need to pat yourself on the back because that's a huge accomplishment, like for real. Thank you. And I like, have you, I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, right? Cause you suffered from uh, anxiety as well. And I'm sure it's quite, quite reduced or almost gone as well. Right. From all the work. Yeah. Now I would never say that I have anxiety. Yeah. I might have anxious thoughts, but I would never label myself as an anxious person or having anxiety, which is also huge to be fair. So, mm. yeah. So, so good on you, right? It's, it's about doing the work, right? Like if you do the work and you, and you face yourself, you, I, I feel like you can overcome a lot of things, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah, no, thank you both for coming on this Tally Talks. Uh, Tally Talk, I think you both make amazing listeners um, for our members who kind of still go through things like this. And I wanted to dive into the relationships that you would have formed um, along the way um, in terms of when you were going through or when you were deep into your addictions, because I know you meet new people. Um, but yeah, what I wanted to find out about was I guess the relationships you would have built through your journeys. And I know you would have met some people who would have 
helped you and some others who might have helped you, but are you still in touch with people you've met through your journeys? Are some of them still addicts or have they also overcome? And did you feel like you had to move on from particular people in order in order to, I guess, reach this stage where you are, where you are now? Uh, I, I actually lost uh, most of my, my friends who I was uh, hanging out with from, from high school to mid-20s. And I sort of became an insider. I was inside a lot and just, you know, using drugs and, and drinking and isolating. Uh, but, you know, a few, a few people are still around, like a few really good friends are still there. And um, we still have good relationships, but, uh, since, since I've recovered, I've established a lot of strong, healthy relationships as a result of getting, getting through the, uh, the nightmare of addiction. And these are much more, uh, loving, much more selfless, uh, relationships. And one of the people that stuck, uh, with me was, the person who is currently my wife, she met me in the last year of my addiction. At, the, at that point, I was using cocaine a lot and I was even starting to do crystal meth and I was just a horrible mess. And I, I remember I kept telling her, I, I would tell her, I'd say, I don't know what you're doing with me. I'm constantly breaking your heart. I'm, I'm a scumbag. Like you really need to go and find a better person to be with. And she didn't give up on me. And, and I remember one of the other things I used to tell her, I'd say, like I'll never be in a monogamous relationship. I'm too much of like a party guy. I, you know, like I have a wandering eye, like I had all of these crazy ideas about who I was. And then when I went into the program and I sort of, I healed, I, I, I started looking at her and I'm like, this person is, is an angel. And so today we're married and, you know, I'm experiencing the, the wonderful joys of being in a very meaningful monogamous loving selfless relationship which is something i would have never been able to envision for myself when i was in the depths of my of my illness wow that's so beautiful i yeah. think um yeah you really noticed how your friendships and your relationships change with other people when you do cut out not cut out uh yeah make changes make positive changes in your life because you will then begin to attract people in your life who are on a similar vibe to you. Um, I, when I, when I quit drinking alcohol, I stopped hanging around certain people where they just wanted to get messed up all the time. Like I just couldn't be in that situation anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I purposely, purposefully took myself out of, um, like some different friendship groups and, I mean, I tried it for a little bit, but it just, it wasn't working because you change as a person and you kind of have different values. Uh, well, this is my experience anyway. And so, um, to be honest, over the past few years, like since I have made all these changes in my life, I've never had such beautiful relationships with people. Like it's, it's still mind blowing to me. Like now and um you know even still new people come into my life where it's just so fruitful and we have like this spiritual connection and you have this deep real meaningful connection where you don't need to get messed up all the time like if you have friends where you really need to 
you need to have a drink or you need to have a spliff or you need to have a drug, you know, to connect, then I think it's healthy to ask yourself, like, is this a a true meaningful connection that you want to have in your life? And, you know, it might be a hard, sad realisation to to come to that awareness. But on the flip side, if you do make those changes, when you do make those changes, um, you know, you can have these really, really, really fruitful and beautiful relationships. And it could be with the same people that you're with now. Um, I don't know. You know, things can always change. So, um, yeah, I think on the whole, there's a really great opportunity to have really amazing relationships when you, you know, you start to do this work on yourself. Definitely. Um, for me, my struggle is actually procrastination and that's probably my battle, but I think addiction is a whole, a whole nother level. Um, but that's, that's what I've been trying to overcome and just being disciplined enough to do what I want rather than, well, being disciplined enough to be in control rather than letting other things take control. Um, so perhaps there's a bridge there in that angle. Um, and have you been able to, to sort of make strides with that? Yeah, it's definitely been like a roller coaster. Like I have times where it's great and everything's amazing and I, and there are times where I just feel like I'm in a rut which is kind of everything around me is cluttered my mind is on is just on cruise control so like the, the best example is I guess when you just stay in bed and you just keep on watching series back to back an episode mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like if you could think to yourself if I had all the money and all the freedom in the world right now, what would I want to do? I probably wouldn't want to watch another episode. I probably want to go outside or do something else or meet up with a friend. Mm -hmm. So like procrastination isn't necessarily doing like, I don't necessarily see it as doing stuff that, you know, you're happy to do, but I just more see it as kind of being in that cruise control mode where other things take over and they're not even the things you would choose to do if you could pick anything to do in the world, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you're procrastinating because you feel like you should be doing something else versus what you actually want to be doing? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, that is the case. And I think the reason why is normally because you've filled up your diary too much that I don't know if you get that feeling where you have so much to do. So you just decide to do nothing because you don't even know where to start. Um, Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's like, really, it's just good to have, it's just good to make a strong decision and say, okay, during this time, I'm going to do exactly what I want to do, which makes, which allows me to enjoy myself. And whether that be, I'm going to watch this episode or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm just going to, I don't know, whatever fun is out there in the world or listen to music or something like that and making that decision and being in control and saying, this is how I'm going to enjoy myself today um, rather than kind of letting the day take control of you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. One thing that really helped me recently, um, because sometimes I get in that state too, is just being like, okay, well, there's actually 
there's really no rules apart from the ones that you have in your mind. And if they're not working for you, um, then it's kind of like you imprison yourself, isn't it? So to think in a way where it's like, okay, there's literally, there's no rules. There's no rules with how I respond right now. There's no rules with really how I live my day, you know, depending on if like you're self-employed or if you've just got the weekend off and you you know, you find that you've got time, you don't know what to do with it. And I think it really opens your mind to um, just possibilities that weren't there before. And also I feel like it opens you up to joy rather than thinking, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. Um, It allows for more freedom and liberation uh, in my experience. Exactly, 100%. 100%. And yeah, some of the best days I've had have been days where I've decided I'm going to spend the whole day just enjoying myself. I'm not going to do any work today. And at the end of the day, I actually feel like I've accomplished something because I've been in control and I've said, this is what I want to get out of my day. And it's been exactly that. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's all about that ebb and flow, right? We can't always be uh, going 100 miles an hour with with our pursuits. We have to also know when to relax, you know, and just do nothing. So it's finding that that balance within within our lifestyle where we can still be productive, but not uh, not to like the you know an unhealthy uh, degree. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. Um, yeah, sorry. I know we discussed this earlier, but I'm really impressed by the fact that we're all calling from different places around the world. So do you both want to share where you're calling from? I'm, I'm calling from London. Um, do you both want to share where you're calling from? Yeah, I'm calling from Elat in Israel. Yeah, and I'm from I'm calling from Toronto, Canada. Yeah, it's just, no, it's because we, like I mentioned earlier, we do uh, tally talks uh, weekly and we get people calling from different places in the world. And it's just really amazing that people from completely different locations who have never met each other could kind of connect and share experiences. Um, Yeah, the wonders of uh, being so interconnected, right, worldwide. Yeah. 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 Um, Just as we come towards the end, I've just got a few other questions, I guess. So this is more of a, it's not necessarily a test, but if you think back to, I guess, your lowest moment, if there was one thing you could kind of say to yourself back then, what would it be? And feel free to take a bit of time to think to your lowest moment if you want. Wow. I think I would tell myself to breathe. I think my lowest moment, I just can picture it so clearly. It's like you, you just, you do, oh my God, it's quite hard to say actually. Like you just want to, well, I wanted to just like, you know, hit my head on the pillow at night so my mind would like finally switch off, um, you know, from all the anxiety and everything. And I think, yeah, if I just, took a deep breath and was like, it's okay. Like I'm going to get through this. And maybe that would have helped me get like two steps further in the moment. But yeah. What about you insider? Um, I would probably say to myself not to give up, you know, just to, to have faith that, uh, the place that I'm at currently, uh, is just a temporary state that can change. And, uh, 
to listen to that little voice in your head that's saying enough is enough, like go and go and get help, go and get help uh, with this, you know, stop trying to, to fix yourself. I think that would be my, <laughs> my pep talk that I would give to myself. Can I ask though, would you have listened to that if, if you would have told yourself to go get help in that moment? Do you think you, you would have listened? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. It's interesting. Sometimes I really do wonder if we're, we're meant to go through that journey. Yeah, I think we are. I think we are. I think uh, all, all of our suffering and all of our challenges are just there to like, again, it's all about perspective, right? Like with the trauma, it's perspective with the things that we go through in life. It's perspective. If we look at what's happening one way, it can destroy us. If we look at it another way, we can see it as a, as an opportunity to, to grow. Right. And I think that's what life is. It's, it's sort of like a school where we get presented with these challenges so that we can transcend whoever it is that we are in our present state. You know, that's, that's how I see it. Yeah, totally. So we can become a butterfly, right? <laughs> <laughs> By being an insider. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that was really powerful, guys. Um, yeah, that was really good. For me, I think for my lowest moment, it would have probably just been to just stop. And because I, I think with me, it was, it almost felt like a treadmill and everything's constantly moving and I'm trying to catch up. Um, to just stay, I guess, alive, really. So I think for me, it would have just been to just kind of stop and let things take their natural natural course. I love um, that. Yeah, it's like, it's trusting, isn't it? It's trusting in like the universe or, you know, um, high power, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I think it's this level of trust in ourselves. Exactly. We yeah, I don't know if you've ever felt like a Sunday night anxiety um, about what's coming on Monday, but literally Monday then comes and nothing happens on Monday. It's just like a normal day. But on Sunday night, it's almost like it's the end of the world or something. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a paradigm yeah. that I hope that we all come out of one day. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a saying in India where they, they say that uh, the funeral pyre burns up the dead and worry burns up the living. So we spend so much time, so much time uh, worrying about this imagined future, right? And it just drains us of our energy and, and the ability to really enjoy the present moment or to see things in a, in a clear and, and balanced way. So when you say oxygen, just to like, just stop for a second and to get off that hamster wheel so that you can look at things objectively instead of just keeping yourself in that, that momentum, you know, of just doing and doing and doing and, and not knowing why it's, it's super important. If you're both comfortable with doing so, would you like to tell the listeners where to find you? Um, if they wanted to get in touch or just follow you and learn some more. You want to go first, Butterfly? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Shansarusi, S-H-A-N-S-A-R-U-S-S-I. Um, that's that's really the main place. I have a website, shansarusi.org as well. Um, oh, and her podcast called Women of the World on Spotify, which 
um, helps guide people back to their true self. And we speak about so many different things on there, um, like the power of yoga, meditation, all these different um, spiritual alternative healings that people have been through that have really helped them. So, um, yeah, all these transformational journeys that can hopefully inspire you um, on your journey. So, yeah, what about you, Insider? Thanks, Butterfly. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under Recovery Plus. And uh, my YouTube channel has a lot of videos uh, where I talk about my my battle with addiction, where I talk about what it took for me to recover. And I also talk about, um, you know, post-recovery, some of the things that I'm doing now, which is uh, meditation, yogic practices, uh, things like that. So just all geared to help people, um, you know, get recovered or to stay recovered. That's what, what my social media stuff is all about. Great. Thank you both. That's really good. Um, Butterfly, I should really say the name of your podcast is amazing. Women of the world. Um, yeah, it makes me want to go and listen to it already. It's it's Um, great. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Um, so we're at the end of this Pally talk, but as, as usual, we like to do a one word checkout and I know your check-ins were both positive and grateful. Um, but in one word or a sentence, how are you feeling after this Tally talk conversation? You go first inside it. Blessed. Cool. I like this. Um, super grateful. Great. Extra grateful. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, I didn't even do a check-in, but my check-out would be internationally connected. Oh, yeah. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having us uh, on the show. It was great to to be on. It's been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's been amazing. I think you'd both make great listeners on our app, so we'll definitely be in touch. Wonderful. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Teletalk podcast. Remember to subscribe to our channel and be the first to access our weekly episodes. For the latest news and updates on the Tally app launch, follow Atali.app on Instagram or you can visit www.tallyapp.com. Thank you and see you next time.